Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kasesanov. We talk a lot on this channel, on this podcast, about mind, body, spirit, how to bring them all together, how to maintain your health. And one aspect of that that we've spoken a lot about is about meditation and mindfulness. But there are very many ways that we can achieve this state of kind of inner harmony, serenity, and peace. Meditation is one of them, but there are several others. And one of the best ways to get there is through creativity. And therefore, today I am absolutely delighted to have as my guest Zina El Farah. Zina is a 27 year old former banker and entrepreneur with over 10 years' experience in retail innovation and is listed as one of the top 10 women to watch for in business innovation in 2018. After a profound personal experience, Zina co founded Masterpiece with Georgie Mason, an award-winning artist with 10 years of teaching experience. The path leading to Masterpiece and its intention and offering can best be explained by Zena herself. And so it's my great pleasure to welcome her on the show. Zena, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak to me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. So first and foremost, Masterpiece Creative Studios is spelt a little differently. So it's Master P-E-A-C-E, as in peace <laughs> and serenity. So that's already a kind of an indication of what your organization, your studio is all about. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what led you to found it and why the name? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Um so yeah, for, for us, a, a real masterpiece is something that helps you to tap into a deeper sense of of peace and actually the outward appearance of the thing you create or the um, the piece that you may be right or whatever that creativity is uh, for you is is irrelevant um, in the way that we think about creativity and the the benefits that it has for. Um, for mental health and well-being. So I guess um, my journey to Masterpiece, um, I, I, I loved art and painting growing up. Um, it was, for me, a real source of comfort um, in an otherwise reasonably turbulent set of early years. Um, and um, when I found myself going down a more uh, corporate route in life, I went to London School of Economics, studied economics and management, went straight into banking, um, moved to London. I found that the London lifestyle um, made it feel almost impossible to tap into um, painting and creativity as my my way of relaxing because um, in these tiny London flats, very few of us have got space for all the easels and paints and everything else that you need to get creative and uh, you, you don't need much of an excuse sometimes to talk yourself out of it so um, years went by where I didn't touch a paintbrush um, and I really felt the absence um, and it all really came to a head for me uh, a couple of years ago now when um, my mum unfortunately got um, quite advanced cancer um, and we were spending 
all of our time out of work traveling up and down the country to help her with chemo and radiotherapy and everything else uh, and coincidentally my work um, got super crazy busy at the same time and um, really super intense and I was more desperate than ever for a way to to switch off uh, so my husband knowing all of this um, took a chance and bought me a canvas uh, and I for the first time got painting again and it was the first time in years I really felt myself switch off and really lose a sense of time and really uh, get that, that sense of being in the right place at the right time doing the right thing uh, which I think so many of us kind of miss day to day and it it took me to the point where I, I finally thought, um, having dreamt about a business like Masterpiece, wishing that it existed somewhere, I thought, well, you know, it's now or never to take a chance, follow your dream, see what happens. And, um, uh, and, and you know, failure is okay. Um, so I, I, I took the plunge. I handed in my resignation uh, all my banker friends thought I'd gone completely mad. Uh, I'm sure they still do. <laughs> and um, and and here we are. Great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the concept of masterpiece? Because I think it's I think it's fabulous. I I love this idea of of being to able to not only kind of get in touch with your inner self, but to actually do something creative, because I think that generates creativity in other areas of your life. It's like a muscle you need to exercise in a way. But as you said, it's so difficult to actually kind of do that. I know I, I love art and creativity myself. And when everything's packed away, you know, it's going to take you 20 minutes to get everything out, you know, packed out. And then when you're done, you've got to put it all away again. And sometimes <laughs> that's already a hurdle and you can't be bothered, as you said. So what's the concept <laughs> of Masterpiece to make that all easy and usable? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we want... Um, the kind of painting experience to be as easy and accessible and effortless as it is to say book a yoga class um, where you have got access to a schedule that makes sense and suits busy working people so um for, so for us we've got classes operating from 11 30 in the morning right the way through to 10 p.m at night um we want you to exactly like you say be able to turn up get painting and leave uh without having to do any of the set up and clear down there's no washing up allowed at masterpiece and that is so important because it does just mean that you really get to maximize the time that you spend there doing what you've come to do which is to really get creative and immerse yourself so i to, to step back i suppose what masterpiece is um, Masterpiece is a um, art studio in Belgravia where um, we use painting and creativity as an alternative form of mindfulness meditation. Um, we offer drop-in classes that are 90 minutes long, all hosted by a professional artist, um, where uh, guests will paint a piece um, with the intention of relaxing. Um, so for some of our guests, that means coming along and painting and actually not 
not requiring any technical support from the artist, just looking for a little bit of encouragement. Um, and for others, they're on a journey to really build and refine their skills, in which case they'll draw a lot on our artists to take that, take that skill set forward. Um, for our absolute beginners, we've got a little bit of a quirky um, little cheat, little hack, uh, where you would, say, bring a photo that you loved on your phone we would plug that phone into one of our little tabletop light boxes. And what that does is it, it projects your photograph down onto the canvas that you're working with. And so you imagine the canvas lights up with that picture. You're then able to use that as a stencil to start your painting. And for so many of our beginner guests, that is the biggest relief. That is the biggest door opener for them because staring at a blank canvas is, is so intimidating. And it's such a learning curve to get to the point where you can perfectly sketch out a photo before you even start to paint it. So what that light box does is it takes all of that away so you can get stuck in straight away to the part that's actually quite intuitive for people which is the painting part uh, mixing color playing with different paintbrushes and ultimately painting a photo that you love you've picked it means something to you and I, I feel that what that gives our guests is 90 minutes of studying something that brings them joy even if the painting is utterly useless what they've done is they've they've looked at maybe it's a picture of a loved one or um, a place that meant something to them and they've really studied that image for 90 minutes they've lost themselves in all of those those memories and those emotions and that in its own right I think is a a brilliant way of starting a creative process that sounds absolutely incredible I love that sort of like painting by numbers only different yeah <laughs> that's, a, that's a great idea because I totally agree with you I think a blank canvas is hugely intimidating it's like when you want to write something you know the blank computer screen or piece of paper because I'm old school um, <laughs> that can that can really terrify you one thing that that kind of came to my mind when you were talking about that though is um, the process itself of course is enchanting but I'm one of those people that suffers terribly with perfectionism. So how do you, how, how are people encouraged to kind of get over that, that kind of feeling of you have your end result in your head and whatever you produce is never ever that which you had in your head. And that can actually then switch from being calming and nurturing into being frustrating. So yeah. what's the process there to help people get away from that, you know, perfectionism, which I think is actually something that we all suffer from in this modern world. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I've really seen it in the guests that we've seen come through the door, that alarmingly high expectation they have of themselves. They are their biggest critic um, and you are so much less kind to yourself than you are to others. So you see it day after day in our classes. You can see that a guest is looking at their piece sometimes in the early stages and, and having those sorts of thoughts. But then they're so kind and encouraging to their neighbour, a person they've only just met, because they can see the good in, in the work there. So, so much of the experience that we've designed is built to help um, people to manage that 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 uh, inner experience so for us a 90 minute class starts with a meditation it's only brief 
and it's designed to to put people at ease, to just create that little bit of space from the chaos of the day that they maybe had to the absolute serenity uh, of the of the studio. Because if you're still running from the tube and you're still processing all the emails that you wrote and everything else in your day, it's just impossible to give yourself that space to get creative in the first place. So that's how all of our classes start. There's lovely essential oil smells in the background, gentle music, um, the lighting is super soft, and we have that moment together. Um, then we move into a series of creative exercises uh, which are specifically designed to help you to feel looser and freer in the creative process. So part of that for us is about um, lowering the stakes of the thing that you've made. So the first few pieces that you work with are really rough and ready, and you won't be keeping them. You can keep them, but you typically you don't keep them. Uh, the idea behind that is to stop viewing every piece as being like super precious, super important, super essential. Um, real artists, quote unquote, real artists will probably a lot of the time, depending on their creative process, you'll see them work on seven or eight iterations of the same thing at the same time. And it's maybe the eighth version that's gone down a slightly different track, a track that they never expected it to go down. That's the piece that they love. And it's having that sense of creative liberation of experimentation and of play that actually leads to that exquisite moment. So when we look at a canvas and we think this one must be the one, we actually really inhibit enormous creativity that might be there. So those exercises lower the stakes and they also get you to get creative in ways that maybe you hadn't thought about doing before. So we might say, okay, here's uh, two and a half minutes where you are going to be drawing a portrait of the person opposite you, but you'll be doing it with your non-dominant hand. So you're drawing with your left hand if you're right-handed or your right hand if you're left-handed. And for most adults, they'll have never, ever written, let alone drawn with their non-dominant hand. So they all laugh. They all think, how ridiculous. This is going to look rubbish. And they surprise themselves because suddenly they've, they've discovered that the non-dominant hand has got a really lovely, light, free uh, stroke that they'd never seen before, that their lower expectations meant that they uh, drew a little bit more liberally and they kind of loved that. They loved where it went. Or maybe they get something so abstract that they fall in love with the kind of Picasso-esque nature of what they've done. So um, we'll, we'll do two or three exercises like that where you're doing something that feels totally absurd um, to surprise you about what beauty comes from the absurdity so that when you do come to the painting process your main piece you cut yourself a little bit of slack in terms of what mindset and what practices are going to lead to something beautiful because sometimes the roguest move is what really makes the thing spectacular um um, I guess then when we're working through our, our main piece, our instructors, our artist instructors are all um, specifically trained to not get technical with you, to not say, hey, let's think about like contrast and light and tone and um, technical artist jargon. 
that means something if you want to be a professional artist um, or really take your skills to the next level. But for most of us, it's sort of irrelevant. What they do and what they're trained to do is to spot that little angst, that little stressor, that little worry, and just help unblock that, give you that positive encouragement, and then let you do the rest. Because actually, it is so intuitive. It is in there within all of us. Um, It's just overcoming those psychological barriers sometimes that helps a person get there. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. That sort of implies um, that your teachers have a very, very different education to the sort of classical art teacher. How did that come about? Where did you, where did you get the ideas of, of what was important to teach and um, what is that process um, exactly? So, Because it is really quite unusual. I think it's great, by the way, but... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So our, all of our artist instructors are professional artists themselves, but they're not art teachers. Some of them have had teaching experiences, but that's not their primary discipline. Um, the, the reason why we recruit that way is because we're looking for people um, who have got a certain character, a certain charisma, a certain um, level of emotional intelligence who can be inspiring and encouraging and show a person the way without having necessarily to view the session as being an art class in a typical sense. So we look for personality uh, as opposed to any other kind of background. Um, we've, we've got a couple of instructors on the team who themselves aren't actually artists. They're yoga instructors or um, they are um, art therapists, um, but they believe passionately about the ability uh, for people to use art and creativity as a way to tap into that sense of meditative flow. Um, So that's been super important to us. That being said, they are all phenomenal artists. So if you come into the studio, um, it's a gallery as well as being an art school space. So each of the instructors has got a piece on the wall somewhere. So if you're taught by me, you can see how I paint. If you're taught by Josh Waterhouse, you can see how he paints. So that gives you a little flavour of the person before you get started. And they do offer more technical classes at the studio. So if you have come in as the typical guest, the person who comes in and says, I couldn't draw a stick man. Uh, (laughs) I haven't done anything since school. I'm not creative. My favorite quote, I am not creative, as if that's a statement that can be made about person. You're that person. You've come along, you've done um, one of our kooky classes with the projector. You've gotten that taste to say, hey, you know, I can do this. I love this. It gave me something that I've, I haven't felt for, for some people years. That might make them that little bit more inquisitive to say, hey, you know what? I really would love to actually study portraiture in a more traditional way or landscapes or seascapes or a still life or life drawing, whatever the case may be. And they can fulfill that and take that journey forward at Masterpiece too. Um, so that's where that uh, technical training can really help through the instructor. That sounds incredible, incredible. And going back to what you said before, I think I also this idea of not being attached to the end thing. I think that we're very 
very schooled in the modern world um, results and achievement and the end, you know, the yeah. journey gets ignored. It's only the end result. And I think sometimes when I look at street artists, you know, the chalk painters and things, and you think, wow, you know, one, one gush of rain and that's all gone. But that kind of non-attachment, that, that, you know, understanding that something can be a process, a transient thing without necessarily that golden end result, I think is a huge lesson in itself because so many of us just can't let go of the end result. Yeah, ab- absolutely. We've run exercises at the studio where we'll tell, we'll tell the guests the thing you're going to draw now for the next five minutes, we're going to rip it up and we're going to throw it in the bin and we're going to do that two or three times so that you know there are no consequences of, of the marks that you make. There's going to be no no photographic evidence of it anywhere. There's not going to be an Instagram post. There's nothing. There's that moment. There's you and there's a piece of paper and experiencing that sense of mark making where there are zero stakes and zero expectations is so liberating for people and is so important um uh, because like just like you say that sense of expectation and judgment both from yourself and from whom you perceive around you to be judging you is so creativity limiting not just in the context of painting but whether you're a writer or a journalist or you have to be creative by nature in your job or you need to be creative in your nature at home to solve a, a family problem, um, it's so essential that we allow ourselves to, to be creative in a non-judgmental, envi- non-judgmental environment because judgment is the antithesis <laughs> of creativity. Absolutely, absolutely. What kind of um, media do you use? Um, I, I, for example, particularly love working in watercolors because I just I love that kind of translucent, very kind, almost formless um, invention. Is it possible for people to use different media, even go into more perhaps more three dimensional type of work like collage work and so on and so forth? Or are you very limited to working with acrylics because they're practical and easy? We we love our acrylics for our um our intro classes. Um, they're so accessible for people. They're so forgiving because um, with acrylic as soon as it's kind of touch dry which happens in a, maybe a minute or two you can paint clean over that as if it never happened. Um, so it's a lovely media for uh, for beginner artists. But our advanced classes, our masterclasses, um, will range from uh, charcoal work, sketching that way, uh, oil painting. We do a calligraphy masterclass. Um, we've done a, <laughs> a I'm palette. I'm signing of- up for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, every month we have a calligraphy masterclass. Um, we have this amazing artist. Her name's Elena Gual. Um, she's an oil painter. She works with uh, a palette knife where... Um, if you see her work, each stroke is so thick, it's almost like it's a sculpture rather than a painting. So uh, we've done masterclasses with her. Um, The last one was a two-day course. And believe it or not, we had, um, coincidentally, it was all all ladies at this event. So we had ladies fly in from Brazil, 
Miami, New York, Japan, Qatar, Jordan. It was like the UN convention around this woman, Elena Guell, (laughs) because um, she's such an inspiring art. She's so young. Her her style is so unusual. It's so fresh that people just wanted to come and meet her and just play with her, try and understand how she works and what her her method really looks like. Um, Elena's our artist in residence, so... Uh, she she uses the space as her art studio during the day upstairs. Um, so you really can just come and sit and watch an artist at work, which is fascinating for people, particularly those who don't have maybe creative jobs or creative hobbies, just to wonder, like, how does a masterpiece like that come to be? What happens? Is she sat in a coffee shop and she has an idea? Or what, what is that process that leads an artist to that point? So it's wonderful. We love having an artist in residence at the studio at all times, just so that guests can see how the pros do it, as well as see how the beginners um, do it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Is there anybody excluded from this? I mean, are there sort of specific age ranges? You mentioned the fact that people can come without any experience or want to improve their craft. Um, who Who is this for? We have had, I think our youngest guest was five. And I think <laughs> our oldest guest was 75 um, so far. Um, so from a, from an age perspective, we, we cover all bases. We're we're wheelchair accessible. Um, we offer classes that are, well, most of our classes include bottomless Prosecco, but we also offer um, dry classes for folks who'd like to avoid the temptation. Um, so from an age perspective, we like to be super inclusive. Um, uh, it is a luxe experience. A typical class will cost £49, but they range from £15 to, I think, Elena's workshop was £400. Um, But that being said, every week we offer a karma class, which is completely free. It's done on a donation-only basis. So if you don't have the sorts of means to pay for a luxury experience, you're not excluded from the community. You can still come and do a class in exactly the same way, with access to all the same artists, all the same materials, and you don't have to pay a penny. Um, so that, that's that been incredibly important to us in our journey. Um, uh, and I guess in terms of a mindset, the typical guest who comes is the guest that says, I couldn't draw a stick man. I have been so afraid of being creative for such a long time. And this kooky new little place was just curious enough to make me want to try and dip my toe in and then it it lights a fire in them that sets them off down a whole new track so our our most prolific guest has been to the studio 49 times now well we've been open since September it's um it's January now so um that's the typical that typical guest I'd say has that kind of a mindset they've been saying to themselves like I'll reconnect with my creative side when I have earned a bit more money, when I um, worked hard and so I've got a bit more time to play with in my later years. Um, uh, Or they've completely dismissed it as a route for them. Um, that, That I would say is quite typical for us. Right, right. One word that you said there that that really jumped out at me because it has so many implications for us all in 
all aspects of our lives is community. Um, how do you address that subject? So there are some people who surely actually probably are surrounded by people all day and actually just want to get away into a corner by themselves. But I would think for the, for the majority of people, that kind of interactive experience and actually sharing this experience with other people is a way of, of um, maximizing the experience and the sharing of it is actually so super important for us as human beings and perhaps even a possibility to make friends and meet again afterwards. How does that work out? I mean, as you said, you only opened in September, so it's a bit hard to kind of project long-term where people are going with this, but what are you seeing so far? Oh, it's such an important point. There's an, a fantastic piece of research just completed by University College London in collaboration with the BBC, that um, studied 50,000 UK respondents. And it was the first really meaningful piece of research I saw, which quantified the impact of painting and other forms of creativity for managing um, anxiety, uh, depression, and improving an overall sense of well-being. And in order to maximize that positive impact, that painting creativity has on mental health and well-being, there are a few things that can accelerate that process. Thing number one, doing it in a community setting, doing it in a setting with other real live humans and not doing it on the other side of the screen. So not necessarily watching YouTube video at home on, on your own, but actually coming into a space where you have got that social connectivity. I think that's absolutely essential um, and it really does amplify the experience of people. Interestingly, that article also said that the, um, the biggest positive impact is to be had by beginners. So when you're first embarking on something, the uh, impact it has on your um, self-esteem, your sense of self-development um, is, is, is huge and, and particularly great for beginners. And unfortunately, it did go on to say that as soon as it becomes your profession, uh, the impact on well-being and mental health can sometimes change in nature. <laughs> I think when you're painting to pay the bills or to cover your mortgage, it suddenly becomes quite a different thing. And I'm sure lots of your listeners who have got creative trades will be listening and thinking, yeah, it doesn't feel so soothing for me. Uh, and I guess the advice there would be um, to make sure that if you have got a creative trade, to diversify into something completely unrelated, but still creative, um, and make that your creative preserve because folks who are creative in nature need a way to, to tap into that um, uh, that isn't work um, in order to still benefit from, from that. Um, in terms of what we've seen in the studio, uh, we really have shaped a beautiful little community over in Belgravia. The, of the guests who've come and we've, we've had um, over 1,500 guests so far, 50% um, of guests who come once come again. And of those guests, the average number of return visits is four. So um, once people start, if they want to make it a thing, they're making it a pretty routine thing. Um, we have run events like 
singles nights um, for all age groups um, as an, another way of thinking about connectivity and community. And we've seen real relationships come out of those events, um, relationships that are still going strong now. Um, and I really believe that the setting is actually very conducive uh, to, to meeting people um, in that sort of context because you haven't got the pressure of being sat across from someone on a dinner table and having to make all the eye contact and sustain a continuous thread of conversation. You're all actively engaged in something else um, that's immediately given you a point of um, shared interest and shared experience, um, but creates a space to have a conversation and chat to someone in a slightly different way. Um, so yeah, we've, we've loved our singles nights. We've got a whole week of singles related events coming up, um, for Valentine's week. It's love week. Absolutely. So we've got <laughs> love, love month here on, on London Heels. So oh, absolutely awesome. for February. So yeah, that's yeah, a great awesome. idea. I love that. I love that. So it's a singles night every night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, covering um, 20s and 30s, 40s and upwards, gay, lesbian. Um, and then on the Friday, we have a couples night. So hopefully we'll see some couples that have newly formed from an earlier day. Um, but otherwise, uh, those of us who uh, already have a significant other can come along to the Friday. Sounds absolutely wonderful. And I love that idea because there you, you're kind of covering two bases. So you're not only having the sense of community, meeting new people or, you know, sharing um, a, a task or a, 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 an experience with somebody that you already know and care for, but it's also a slightly playful environment. And we know that so many um, studies have shown that actually the best creativity comes from being in that kind of slightly childlike point of view where you're not taking things too seriously and you're just letting it flow I think um, I think it was Richard Branson actually was even quoted as saying that you know he always gets his best ideas when he's just goofing around and being kind of silly so I think that that's a fabulous combination of all of those things perfect platform for that I love that. I couldn't agree more. As as someone who is not an artist, quote unquote, an artist, I found the art world kind of scary and intimidating and daunting and and a bit stuffy and elitist in its kind of worst form. I'm not. I never really walk into an art gallery and feel completely at ease. I always feel that kind of imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. and I just think if. If I feel that way with all of the privileges I've had in life, how must other folks feel who haven't had access necessarily to a university education or exposure to galleries growing up or anything like that? And how, how can we expect people to really grow and thrive in a creative sense when we make creativity sometimes feel like it's only for the elite? And it, it absolutely is not that way. Um, it's in all of us and it's uh, as natural to us as swimming or running or climbing or it's it's innate in all of us no matter your educational background or whether or not you know all the names of all the fancy artists you know and so I really wanted to make my 
not feel like that place where anyone is going to challenge you about, well, who's, wh- who painted this in this year, you know, or, or fancy descriptors for how things look. Like, if you know that stuff, brilliant, and the artist will love chatting to you about it all. But if you have not walked into a gallery in years and you don't know your Picasso from your Van Gogh, it's totally cool and it's fine. It's not the point. Um, so, yeah, I think that sense of demystifying the art world and opening it up so that it is so much more inclusive on a um, kind of societal level is really important to get us all uh, to to fulfil our creative potentials. Great. Absolutely fabulous. I, I just so love this this, I, this concept. I think it's... Um, I think anything that that encourages us to just kind of get out of that hamster wheel that we're in and and let the creative juices flow and exactly as you say I truly believe that everybody is creative in their in their own way they just have to not worry about how good the end result is and just <laughs> enjoy the process um have you seen in that in the relatively short time that you've been going you know we started this conversation saying it's it's not just a question of expressing your creativity but what that does for you that it kind of centers you brings you back calms you down switches off that hpa access which is on fight flight 24 7 these days are you seeing that in some of the people who are coming more regularly that they're actually having these kind of internal shifts where this is having a long-term cumulative positive effect on them? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And it, it means the world to us to, to see it firsthand. So a couple of recent examples. Um, just this week, we had a lady come in who had just quit smoking and she, she was five days in and she'd gone cold turkey and when she came in, you could see that she was stressed. And and I think she sort of thought to herself, uh, and I'm just guessing, but my sense was she thought to her- herself, why did I book this for now? You know, like I should be at home in the bath, like pushing myself through this. But she'd booked it. She'd booked it probably a month in advance. And so she was going to get through it. And 15 minutes into the class, she was just a different person. She'd forgotten all about it. She'd completely forgotten that she's the person who'd given up smoking. And she was completely immersed in what she was doing. And at the end of the class, she pulled us to one side and she just said, thank you so much. It's the first time um, since I've started this process that I felt like me. Um, and I, and I, uh, my whole body has the result I don't have that tension in my shoulders that tension in my neck that twitchy finger I, I just feel like regrounded so that meant the world to us um we we also had a um investment banker come in whose wife had sent him and he was <laughs> he came in and he was like I'm only here because I was sent here <laughs> they don't have like high expectations of me um and he wrote to us the next day to say, um, it's the first time I've slept in months, maybe years, properly slept, just properly had a good night's sleep. And he never expected it. He didn't come in thinking it was going to make the slightest bit of difference to him, but it, it really made a meaningful difference to him. 
um, which was just just wonderful to us. But I mean, on a completely different level, we have a, a gentleman who um, he's a he's a barrister and he has three beautiful children who he gets to spend the weekends with, and he's been bringing them in pretty much every weekend since we launched. And you see a family coming together around a table doing something um, so wonderful and you really see them them bonding and growing and having that special shared experience creating all those memories in a way that I don't really feel like is super available to people in London or, or in general a place where a grown-up person and a and a small child can get together and do something where they're doing the same thing together uh, and learning probably at the same rate together. Um, so I think both in terms of helping people to to tap into that sense of regrounding and flow or helping them to feel like they're they're building those relationships, creating those shared experiences, um, we've really seen um, some amazing things happen at the studio so far. And, and like you say, we're only four or five months in I can't wait to see what happens over the years I think it's going to be absolutely incredible I love this and the idea of, of a family getting together is is precious it's so precious because I think oftentimes when we try and do things with other people what we engage in is so dominating that there's actually it sort of excludes that you know you're, you're also actively doing something that you forget to be and something like art by definition is usually a slower process it, mm. it has a it has a, a kind of a flowering that takes place and that that really allows the human factor and that connection to come in as well without it disrupting what you're actually doing so I think it's an absolutely fantastic idea and should be really really encouraged because yeah I mean so many of us just miss miss that opportunity to be creative and also to be creative with others especially those that we we love and cherish what a beautiful thing thank you so much uh, I yeah I it it's it probably wasn't what I had in mind when we launched the business. I didn't ever imagine that being the use case, but it's probably the part of the business that has meant the most to me um, because it is making a difference in people's lives in a very real way, on a small scale, but in, a, in such a meaningful way. And I'm just so delighted to be able to see it unfold. I bet, I bet. What are your plans for the future? This is this is something that could that could go big. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, <laughs> that I mean, uh, my job when I was at the bank was uh, was an innovation job. I was I was launching new products, and some of them would sink and some of them would swim. And a large part of the job was uh, being very pragmatic and objective about the ones that weren't swimming. Um, so I'm trying to bring. Um, that mentality to masterpiece in as much as um, we have had the most phenomenal of starts, uh, but we're still such a young business. And this year will really be the, the telling of whether or not um, there's really enough interest out there to make, make this thing a success. And if it can be a success, then we're going to go absolutely turbocharged 
on it because I really believe that um, there's an opportunity for creative revitalization to become as mainstream and as accessible as yoga has been over the last 20 years. Um, I'd love to believe that there could be a masterpiece in every city across the UK, um, just as much as you can now book a yoga class pretty much anywhere in the country at a time and a place that suits you. And I think that's an amazing thing. We need to give people choice in terms of how they want to switch off and how they want to um, tap into that sense of flow. And for some of us, that's yoga. Some of that for some of us that's long distance running or meditation or whatever it is for you but I think uh, as we are all as a society becoming more and more aware of the importance of actively investing in our mental well-being and cultivating that the best way of supporting people through that is by giving them choice and making it accessible and affordable so my dream for the masterpiece is first and foremost to have an awesome first year and all of the help and support we can get from our community to do that absolutely means the world it means absolutely everything and if we can really prove that people love this as much as we do then we'd love to scale it up so that we we see more studios all across the country, all across the world, maybe one day. Um, but yeah, one step at a time. I uh, spoke a while back to Dr. Michael Dixon, who has, um, he is the NHS liaison for social prescribing. And social prescribing is a phenomenon where the human factor of healthcare comes in. So recognizing that perhaps somebody would benefit from a lifestyle change, learning to de-stress, learning to eat better, learning to exercise. But that hurdle to actually do that is sometimes so enormous that they just, they can't make that change. And I can totally see something like this as coming into part of that repertoire that really, when you do have people who have a lot of stress-related issues or have a lot of even other issues. I mean, the evidence is overwhelming on how de-stressing and getting back to that kind of creative core is also so massively effective for healing your body as well as your mind. I think I really think this has fabulous potential because it's something different and it's another avenue for people to explore because people are different. One thing I also think is that you've totally hit the zeitgeist with this because I think for the very first time in the last year or two, people are becoming very, very aware that modern life at the end of the day is actually not really very good for us. Um, what are your personal feelings on that? How, how do you, I mean, you you came from the absolute archetypal kind of you know business world which is tough it's it's challenging it's all go it's results driven it's it's totally adrenaline driven and you suffered the consequences of that how, how do you see how do you do you do you see a shift in in people in general from that word it, it just understanding that there's just more to life than working really hard and making money I I haven't I um I I just I I completely um, see from from the life that I had before um, that sense of like deferral of pleasure that 
I'm suffering now, but it means that in the future I can be happy. And that sense of that future just never seems to get any closer. <laughs> it's always just around the corner. And I think what, what shocked me out of that mindset was what I saw happen to my mum because she was, she was so healthy. And I, I guess you always think with your parents that they're going to live forever. But she was, she was full of life. So to get the news just like that really makes you realize that um, life is short, can be short. And you can't defer and defer and defer. You have to, um, excuse me. I lost my own mother a couple of years ago and that whole thing you were talking about deferment resonates with me enormously because I actually lost my father when he was relatively young and he was one of those people who deferred a lot and said, you know, when I retire, that was that was the word, when I retire, I'm going to do this, when I retire, I'm going to do that. And then he dropped dead of a heart attack at 59, just missing that golden retirement and that you know, I was in my 20s when that happened. And I remember even then being so struck by the fact of don't put off tomorrow what you can do today, but not in that way of achieving things, in that way of just living. And, you know, don't, don't yeah. miss that opportunity because it may never come again. <laughs> oh, exactly. And it's the simple pleasures. It really is. And I think we all know that it's just so hard to, um, to make a change. Um, and so, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, we're all realizing that there's got to be more to life um, and that the things that make us happy in a really meaningful, sustainable way are not necessarily the big, flashy, Instagrammable moments. They're the, the quiet moments where we, we feel like we are living our best lives um, and tapping into our, our strengths and our skills um, and learning and connecting with others, uh, having real conversations. And sometimes our routines give us the opposite of that. Um, so I, I, I would love to see um, that positive change continue. And I'd love to see more and more uh, businesses and spaces open up to give people uh, choice and how they choose to express that. Right. So like the big companies like Google that have their meditation rooms and their, their rooms where you can go and play pinball and things like that should also have an art studio, right? Oh, I'd love that. I would love <laughs> that. That would be great. Had, yeah, we've had a lot of um, those big names, um, lots of big banks and law firms and um we had a we had a group of bankers come through and they the, the their PAs had booked them and they all came in with their big suits and their shoulder pads and they were <laughs> like on their mobile phones as they walked in and they were checking their emails as they sat down and that that we looked at them and we thought oh, bloody hell this is going to be this is going to be fun for us to, to <laughs> turn this thing around and at the end at the end of the class they all um, met us at the door and they were all really emotional in their own way um, and they said like thank you so much you've made us feel like children again um, you just made us feel like we could play and you, you told us good job 
And I don't remember the last time someone said, hey, good job. I just don't hear it day to day. I don't hear it in my work. No one ever says, good job, well done. And when you guys said, hey, that looks great. I love that. I love what you did with that. It really struck a nerve because it made me realize how much I've been missing that. So I do think there's a huge corporate opportunity um, to, to get teams to be creative, whether or not they are necessarily doing a creative job. Uh, it's so important for helping us connect the dots and problem solve and have um, uh, challenging conversations about um, what really matters to, to have that creative repertoire. So, um, yeah, a, a masterpiece in every in every office sounds great wouldn't it wouldn't it be wonderful absolutely I think another factor here as well is 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 that the whole creative process and and art and everything that's included in in being creative and creating um I sometimes get the feeling it's something that's just not really very highly credited um that that's a big problem I mean I, I come from the world of science and actually an amazing number of scientists are also incredibly gifted musicians weirdly enough um, but it's the sort of thing that you do behind closed doors and you probably don't tell anybody it's it's I think it's difficult to to actually bring up a real sense of validity and importance to do with creativity as opposed to working and producing stuff and at the end of the day generating income because that's the way our society is made these days are you finding is, is that is that something that you see that people have kind of like a bit of a negative look on creativity and actually sort of secretly think it's probably a bit of a waste of time <laughs> yeah creativity is what you do around your real job <laughs> or around your real life yeah actually. Yeah. 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 yeah yeah absolutely and um and it it's it's so it's so short-sighted um, I mean, a, a big part of Masterpiece's long-term ambition, say, is to try and combat the um, enormous funding cuts we're seeing in our local schools in the creative arts. So some of our schools in our, in our borough have not got art teachers, they've not got art departments, because the focus has, because of a lack of resources, shifted towards the core subjects, which we understand and respect, but we we just don't see that it needs to be a trade-off, particularly in a world where our children are growing up into an economy where there's so much job automation that the jobs that are going to be safe and secure are the ones that rely on creativity and innovation because that's the one human trait that the that can't be automated, that a machine couldn't replace. Vital theme about humanity that makes us unique is the piece that we are educating out of our children um, and whether or not that's um, talking about creativity in the sense of we want our children to grow up to be artists and musicians or seeing creativity as being a core skill that we all need in all walks of life um, and particularly when you think about the sorts of environmental and societal and economic problems that the next generation of children have to solve on behalf of the planet, um, it's never been more important to teach children creative problem solving. And, yeah. um, um, and so, yeah, I think as a society, we have to place more meaningful value 
on the creative arts and creativity as a thread. And we must stop treating it, like you say, as being um, something that you do behind closed doors. <laughs> um, uh, and I'd love, I'd love for the UK to be um, a driving force for that. For the world, we've for so long been a creative hub and um and that makes london so unique and so we ought to be um we ought to be the greatest ambassadors for it and not not the total opposite which it sometimes feels like we are i think that's a fantastic sentiment actually and uh, i totally support it and honor it i i love that i love that in the days of brexit perhaps we need something new to export and creativity <laughs> is a good place to start so uh, <laughs> on that note Zina how do people best get in touch with you if they actually want to try this out for themselves which I highly encourage everyone to try I'm going to try it myself in a couple of weeks so. <laughs> yes absolutely so we um you can find us on um www.masterpiece.studio uh, we're on Instagram and I manage the Instagram account myself. So if you message us, it will be me who replies. Um, we can come by and see us. We're in Eccleston Yards, which is just a couple of minutes walk from Sloan Square Station and um, Victoria Station. Um, it's a beautiful place to visit, whether you come to see us or otherwise. It's full of um, lovely little um, independent businesses and um, beautiful restaurants uh, there's a cryotherapy place there's um, yoga places meditation places uh, all on the one square so it's well worth a visit um, Gosh, but yeah we'd love to your wellness day then couldn't you yeah <laughs> covering all bases Absolutely. Fabulous. We'll put all the links um, in the show notes so that people can get in touch with you. Is, are there any parting, parting words that I have perhaps not asked you about, something that's burningly relevant that you want to share, or have we covered most of the important points? I think we've, we've hopefully covered, um, we've covered it. But, um, yeah, I mean, if it's a, a, a drop-in for a, an individual person who'd like to come along or a hen do or a stag do, we've done some of those, birthdays, corporate events, the works. Um, we are a tiny little team and all of our events are um, really quite bespoke and tailored to the guests. So uh, if you've got an idea in mind for something, just get in touch and we'll be able to find a way. Fantastic. Sina, just to finish up, I always ask three little questions to all of my guests. There's no right or wrong answers. I'd just be interested to see your perspective. So we talk about mind, body and spirit medicine. And I like to think of that in the words health, happiness and serenity. So for you personally, what does the word health actually mean? I think health is about... um, uh, sustainability and longevity it's it's not saying it has to look a certain way or be a certain way it's about a sense of balance and in that balance coming sustainability so being able to be consistently comfortably for a period and and to me that's like the very definition of meditation it's taking whatever your current circumstances are physically and actually just giving yourself the space to just exist harmonious 
sense for a period of time. Um, to me, that's what health feels like. Lovely, lovely sentiment. And what about happiness? What do you do to get happy other than paint? <laughs> paint, 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 more paint, paint. Um, I uh, I am a long distance runner. I love running. Um, I love that peacefulness. I love being outside um, uh, for as long as I can, hence long distance. That's good. Um, I love, I used to sing in a choir. I absolutely love that. I think singing is so good for the soul, even if you're doing it in the shower, it's so good. And it indirectly is, is doing a lot of breath work for you. And I think breathing is your like inner channel to endless happiness if you know how to leverage it, right? Um, and then just being around the people that, that you love and uh, who mean something to you, there's nothing better than that. Wonderful. And lastly, Serenity, Masterpiece is all about that but perhaps you have some other secrets. Are there any other practices that, that you personally undertake, for example, to turn down the noise? Uh, I, for serenity, for me, the, the thing that makes me feel most serene are the more opportunities I've had to help somebody else, to really care for somebody else, because that selflessness, I think, gives you uh, a sense of purpose that few other things can really do those are the moments that I think make you feel at ease and there's been no shortage of ways at the moment to help others <laughs> uh, it's all around us ways that we can help so I think um serenity for me is um uh selflessness in helping others beautiful beautiful Zina thank you so much for sharing with us your wonderful project and hopefully we can help spread the word and encourage people to come and look you up and get in touch with you and perhaps take this on into a into a wider arena because I think it's a beautiful approach thank you thank you so much and can't wait to see you in the studio in a couple of weeks oh, what well, are you going to paint I have no idea. Have, actually, painting is one creative medium that I'm actually the least good at. <laughs> so we'll it's a great opportunity to, to re-explore that. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. Can't wait. And so, my dear listeners, I hope you really enjoyed that episode with Zina as much as I did. A wonderful way to explore your creativity. Discover it if you didn't think that you had it. Or exercise it if you just know that you have it, but so rarely get the chance. It's so good for your mind, your body, and your soul. Get back into that space within. And also help yourself in so many other areas of your life, like creative problem solving, for example. So if you're local to London, please go and check out Masterpiece Studios. Highly encourage that. And if not, then perhaps it's a good excuse to visit this wonderful city of ours. We would welcome you. And I know that Zena and her team would as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please share shamelessly, as we always say, really helps us. And of course, if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform that you listen to that really is an enormous benefit to us and helps us get our message out there podcasting world has become very saturated of late and it's increasingly difficult it seems so anything you can do to help us we really appreciate and i hope that we can continue 
to serve you in a way that's useful and helpful. And so my dear listeners, that leaves me as always to wish you until next time, health, happiness, and serenity.